In this lesson, we're going to look at aggravated non-fatal offenses against a person. Now, this could be considered as an adjunct or an extension of simple non-fatal offenses against a person, which we looked at earlier on in this course. Now, what's interesting in this regard is that you cannot have an aggravated non-fatal offense without common assault or without a simple non-fatal offense, as in the octus reus or the physical element of either assault or battery must have been fulfilled in order for a particular crime to be firstly eligible to be considered as an aggravated assault. Now, having said that, it must be set out at the very outset that unlike most common law offences, aggravated non-fatal offences are actually set out in statute in legislature. In most LLB syllabuses, you will encounter these three particular sections in the Offences Against a Persons Act of 1861, namely sections 47, sections 20, and sections 18. Now, this is in a descending order primarily because the higher the number, the lesser the degree of the crime. For instance, section 47 deals with assault occasioning actual bodily harm. Section 20 deals with malicious wounding or inflicting grievous bodily harm. And section 18 deals with wounding or causing grievous bodily harm with intention to do so and malicious wounding with intention to resist or prevent arrest. Now, we'll look at each individual section in turn and we'll go into a bit of detail in this particular lesson. Now, at the very outset, we understood in the previous lesson that simple non-fatal offences relates to there being no harm. However, in relation to an aggravation which has taken place, as in the actus reus of a simple non-fatal offence or common assault, for instance, being present, it has been aggravated now and it has taken a different form. So, there is harm or there is injury and depending on the nature of the harm, it would either fall under section 47, section 20 or section 18. Now you may wonder at what point do you decipher which section a particular offence or a particular act itself falls under. This is of course a decision for the jury itself but depending on precedent, depending on case law also, it may be decided. So to begin with, let's have a look at section 47 or assault occasioning actual bodily harm. There are three main stages that must be fulfilled in order for ABH or assault occasioning actual bodily harm to be fulfilled as per section 47 of the Offences Against a Persons Act of 1861. Firstly, there must be proof of an assault or battery or a simple non-fatal offence. Secondly, there must be a determination of the type of harm as in in relation to actual bodily harm. Once these factors are resolved, there might be an assault which occasioned actual bodily harm. Now, once again, I cannot stress enough that you cannot be tried or you cannot be charged with Section 47 unless you have proved or unless the prosecution rather has proved that there has been an assault or a battery that has taken place. So the actus reus of an assault or a battery, the physical form itself, must be fulfilled ab initio, as in from the beginning itself. Also, quite interestingly, it might seem vague to determine a particular type of injury as merely actual bodily harm. But court has determined that ABH or actual bodily harm 
refers to both physical injury as well as psychiatric injury. Now, have a look at cases like Miller, Fagan, Vienna, and Roberts, all of which give a lucid understanding on the actus reus element which must be fulfilled in order for a Section 47 crime to be upheld. Now, it's worthwhile noting at this juncture that there is a distinct difference between actual bodily harm, which we have spoken about in relation to Section 47, and grievous bodily harm. On the one hand, if, for instance, we take the definition of murder, which is the unlawful killing of a human being with the intention to kill or cause grievous bodily harm, we can immediately see that there is a distinction of seriousness between ABH or actual bodily harm and GBH, which is grievous bodily harm. On the other hand, we can consider the permanency of the injuries sustained by the victim. What do I mean by this? If, for instance, the act by the defendant leads the court to believe and leads the jury to believe that he or she has committed a crime which has left a lasting and a permanent impact on the victim, it may become that of GBH or grievous bodily harm. However, if we consider something along the lines of wounding, which we will look at in a bit in relation to section 20, which might heal and still leave a scar, that might be considered not necessarily as grievous bodily harm, but merely ABH or actual bodily harm. However, all of this, as I mentioned earlier, is in relation to what the jury decides, what the court decides based on precedent, based on previous case law. I urge you to have a look at the case summaries which are available with this course and the cases that I denoted earlier, as in Miller, Fagan, Vienna and Roberts. All four cases highlight the importance of section 47 and how exactly court has determined when it applies. Finally, before we move on to section 20 of OAPA 1861, we must understand that the mens rea, much like the actus reus element, requires that the mens rea of assault or battery must be fulfilled, as in either intention or recklessness. We can now consider malicious wounding or inflicting grievous bodily harm, as per section 20 of the Offences Against the Persons Act of 1861. Firstly, in order for the actus reus of this offense to be fulfilled, there needs to be a wounding. Now, court has defined a wounding as breaking of the continuity of the skin. Have a look at Eisenhower in relation to wounding, available in your case summaries. In order to have a better understanding of why court has determined this to be the specific definition of wounding, as in the continuity of the whole skin being broken. Next, the actus reus will only be fulfilled if there is an inflicting of grievous bodily harm, as in very serious bodily harm. We considered earlier that in relation to actual bodily harm, the difference here would be that permanency is involved in relation to GBH or grievous bodily harm. As such, when determining whether a crime falls under either section 47, which is a lesser crime, or section 20, which is a bit more serious, we must see whether permanency can be established in relation to the injury itself and thereby to determine whether it's actual bodily harm or grievous bodily harm. Finally, there is an element of causation, a fact we discussed during the introduction of this course, where the defendant must have inflicted said grievous bodily harm and wounded or broken the continuity of the skin of the victim. The important fact to denote here 
contrasting from the previous section 47 offense that we discussed is that mens rea is not simply intention or recklessness while those are sufficient it is actually maliciousness the wounds being inflicted by the defendant must be done so maliciously now we have thus far considered aggravated assaults in relation to a common assault being aggravated by certain factors for instance the type of injury sustained whether the intention or the recklessness was in fact malicious in intent itself we must also note that along with these aggravating elements if the defendant went on to aggravate it further by utilizing either racial or religious aspects the punishment will be more what i mean by this is that the victim need not be a part of a religion or a particular ethnic group but if this was a motivating factor for the defendant to attack him which is evinced by the defendant either shouting or screaming certain verses or saying certain things which are denoting a racial stereotype or a religious stereotype then in that case it might be considered as an aggravating component thereby increasing the punishment of the defendant finally before we move on to the next lesson we must have a look at the most serious of offenses in relation to aggravated non fatal offenses against a person which is section 18 of the OAPA of 1861 which refers to wounding or causing grievous bodily harm with intention to do so and malicious wounding with intention to resist or prevent arrest now it's worthwhile noting that in relation to the intention portion that i mentioned earlier that the grievous bodily harm need not occur but it must be intended to be done so and that is considered sufficient by court now it's worthwhile considering the fact that i mentioned in relation to the actus reus that it is either the intentional causing of grievous bodily harm or resisting of arrest have a look at saunders and morrison morrison especially in relation to resisting of arrest and how court has determined that this in fact fell under section 18 of the oapa of 1861 besides this of course the actus reus of section 18 remains the same as section 20 it must be noted that it's more serious than section 47 and 20 itself and the mens rea once again must be maliciousness either by way of recklessness or intention now it must be noted here especially that in order for a defendant to be convicted uh, in relation to section 18 of the oapa of 1861 the victim need not have actually suffered any grievous bodily harm but the defendant should have gone to such an extent that he intended to do so and it came to such a point what we see clearly here on an argumentative perspective is the deterrence element or the punishment element of criminal law as opposed to civil law where it is to compensate the parties and put them on an equal footing and i suppose it's a very good example when we consider aggravated non fatal offenses being one step merely one step below that of either manslaughter or murder that court has intended court and society itself as a whole has intended it to be a, a stopgap measure a benchmark in order to punish defendants punish people who have gone to the extent of attempting something as heinous as murder it's worthwhile noting in an examination situation that while opinion is not everything and it might not be the best of ideas to simply narrate your own opinion in relation to this subject it will add to your repertoire and it will add and enrich your answer to have a point of view 
in relation to a subject like criminal law as well as a topic like aggravated non-fatal offenses against a person. That was a very brief overview of aggravated non-fatal offenses against a person, which is an extension of common assault or simple non-fatal offenses against a person. In the next lesson, we'll have a look at sexual offenses, 